Welcome to Courageous Me, your go-to podcast if you're looking for inspiration and the confidence to put the spark back into your life. Hi, I'm your host, Kim Payne, and I'm on a mission to empower professional women to live kick-ass liberated lives where they're seen, heard, and fully valued. Join me on a journey to reignite your passion, get clear on your purpose, and to put more fun into all you do. To declare to that beautiful human staring back at you in the mirror, you've got this. If that sounds like you, let's do it. Welcome to another episode of Courageous Me, and today we are joined by one of the most courageous women I think I know, Ellen Rogan, all the way from the US of A, and Ellen, I'll get you to tell us shortly where you're actually calling from, and Ellen is a money expert and financial intuitive, uh, also an empress, (laughs) I'll get you to explain that as well. But Ellen, before we get into the depths of this really juicy conversation, can you tell me what excites you about having this conversation around courage? And then just give us a little bit of background on who is Ellen. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me, Kim. And courage is such a cool word. And I think that people don't think about it in relationship to money as much as it should be connected. It is, in the world we live in, courageous to take a stand for good with your money, to step into your power with money, to um, really be responsible for your money in a personal way versus maybe blaming other people or passing on responsibility to someone else. And I don't think that people think of money and courage together. Why not? Why don't the words courage and money usually go hand in hand from your perspective? Sadly, I think that people put fear and money hand in hand, that so many people have anxiety around money or fear about having it or losing it if they have it or not having enough. And taking a courageous stand with your money, it could be a personal stand of, maybe I haven't been as responsible as I would like to have been and I'm going to now or taking a stand with how you use your money as a force for good in the world. I think all of that takes courage. Mm, It does. So talk to us about your background and what you do because obviously money is something that you've done a lot of work with and continue to work with. I, I started very early in my professional career in the financial money world. I started as an accountant in the United States and then after a few years moved into being a financial advisor. I had my own wealth management firm for about 28 years, which I sold a few years back. And I really decided to move away from that part of my practice because I felt like I had a bigger message to share then I could share with the hundred or so clients I sat across the table from, who I loved and I feel like we did a great job for, but there's people either in other parts of the world that I wouldn't be able to impact or um, maybe didn't have the, the um, demographics to fit into my client base, but still could really benefit from a lot of the things I'd been thinking about all those years. And what always fascinated me when I was working with clients is 
about how they made decisions and what place they put money in their life. That was always way more interesting to me than how they allocated their retirement plans or set up their investment portfolios. Because what I saw over and over was people's contentment level, people's comfort level with money and what they had didn't really relate to how much money they actually had. I think sometimes people without a lot of money think, oh, if I just had more, everything would be okay. And I know you know people with great wealth, some of them are super happy doing wonderful work in the world and others spend so much time worrying about their money that it's almost like they've self-impoverished themselves. So that's what's always been fascinating to me is really our money personalities and how it works in our lives. Mm, absolutely. And Ellen, just I, I did promise I'd tell everyone where you're calling from. Where are you right now? Yeah, I'm in the Chicago area in the United States. So in the state oh. of Illinois, just north of Chicago. Oh, how exciting. And I believe it's nice and warm over there. Unlike it is nice Australia. and warm. <laughs> yes. Uh, so tell me, what's one of the biggest courageous moves you've made to date over your career? And obviously being in business for 28 years and selling it. I don't know if that is one, but I'll leave it up to you. Where have you really had to reach in and find some courage up to date? You absolutely called it, Kim. Deciding to sell my practice was a big move. I was very successful. I brought our family a nice income. Uh, university is very expensive in the United States, and we were able to send our kids to really good universities that were a good fit for them. And making that decision was a big decision. It was leaving my team that had been with me, one of the women 25 years, another one 22 years. The new girl was with us 14 years. <laughs> and my clients who I adored, to really step into a new part of my life that was more uncertain, doing more speaking. I had written two books at that point, but um, was really the majority of my income was from my wealth management practice. And part of that, besides just deciding, like actually transitioning my business was really hard. I had to have a lot of difficult conversations with my team, with my um, clients. The transition in and of itself was very way more difficult than I anticipated it would be. And um, stepping into, you mentioned in the introduction that I'm a financial intuitive. The next courageous thing was to kind of step out of my very traditional, very conservative CPA certified financial planner identity, which I had worn for such a long time, wanting to be credible and trust. I was always trustworthy, but having feeling like I had to be a certain way for my clients to feel like the advice I was giving them was grounded, which it was, but really in my mind thinking I couldn't be intuitive and do those things at the same time that people might think it was weird or not grounded. And now in um, some of the work that I do with delivering messages from money, which are really intuitive messages that I deliver for people. Um, it took me a while to actually be willing to talk about that publicly. And so how did this come about though, Ellen, the, the intuition and you, I, and having been on the other side of one of your messages from money 
um, experiences, which we'll talk about shortly. Can you tell me where you realized you had this almost superpower around money and the intuitive side? Where did that start or start to become something that you realize this is not just a one-off fluke, this is something real? I believe that I had always had intuition with money and that was part of the reason that my clients consistently said to me after we met, they would exhale and go, oh, I feel so much better. At the time, I thought, oh, my superpower was helping people feel calm about money. I still do that. But I now looking back, I really think that was being able to tap into at some unexplained level from my traditional background of running projections for people that I was sensing what was really up for them and able to talk in a way that had them feeling more comfortable. Um, I did have an experience where all of a sudden this came to light. I was at a workshop and it was um, on, a piece of it was on our intuition and we were partnered with a partner. And um, the theme of this one pairing was money. So the guy I was partnered with, his name was James, and he was to think about a money issue I was stood behind him with my hands on his shoulders, and when he turned around, I was to deliver a message. And he's thinking about his issue. He turns around, and all of a sudden, that what comes out of my mouth is, F you, I didn't say F, I said the word, F you for thinking you can't be spiritual and have me in your life. Almost as if I was talking, his money was talking through me. And James pulls out from his shirt, he was wearing this pendant, and he said, Ellen, this is the patron saint of poverty, and one of my clients gave this to me. He took it off, and all of a sudden I stood next to him and walked, grabbed his hand, and we walked together and said, oh, now I want to be with you. When it was over, I'm like, I don't know what just happened. That was not me speaking. I like to swear, but I don't do it at somebody, not in a professional setting, not somebody I don't know. And I think it was um, jarring or extreme for both of us to get both of our attentions. You know, since then, now my process of delivering messages for money is a lot uh, calmer. I don't swear at people anymore. But I think it had to happen that way to wake me up. And after that, I just started playing with it a little bit with friends. And now my uh, work is I journal with I think of as money, the energy of money, to deliver messages that will be helpful for people with their relationship with money. It sometimes impacts their business or clears away limits that they have. Or um, I've had a few clients with really severe financial trauma, which honestly scared me a little bit before our session. I'm like, oh my God, I don't know if I can help with this. And both of them the weird thing was they were two days in a row and they both had the exact same financial trauma with family stealing from them. It was really awful. And both of them finished the conversation just cleaner and clearer um, after that meeting. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Um, so just going back to James, what did James do as a result of being on the receiving end of this kind of, you know, epiphany of money talking through you I'm so, and receiving it. What did he do about it? I'm so glad you asked because I hadn't talked to James after that event for about two and a half years. And I was speaking at 
uh, conference where we, that was the same meeting that we had met at, and I asked him, do you mind if I share this story? And he said, oh my gosh, no, Ellen. So much has changed in my life since that happened. His business like skyrocketed. He even looked different. He was more professional looking, and he said, I have more business than I know what to do with now. So one of the interesting things to me coming from such a traditional background is not totally understanding how the transformation happens for people. But I hear, you know, if I don't talk to someone for six months or a year later, I don't always know, but they'll consistently tell me that either in the message they receive for money or more often in our conversation, they've got an epiphany, an idea, a clearing, something that's helped them move ahead in their uh, personal relationship with money or their business. Wow. Oh, my goodness. That is, that is so powerful. And Ellen, just going back to you making the decision to get out of or to sell your business after 28 years and at a time when it was successful, why did you do that? Like, it's one thing to think it. It's another thing to actually go through the motions and do it. Can you talk to me about why you decided to do it and what you were hoping to achieve? And you did say, you know, it was a hard path. It was a transition and what have you. But can you talk more about that? I think it's absolutely fascinating because so many people feel like they want to make decisions like this, but they just never, ever get around to it. And they end up staying doing what they've always done and always thinking, oh, but what if? You didn't do that. You actually made the decision and followed through. Yeah, I had been thinking about it for a while, Kim, and that work was work that I felt really good about. I knew I was serving people. I had a great team that worked with me, but it was never what I felt was my work in the world. It didn't um, I, and maybe it was a fantasy, I don't think it really is now, but I always had this thought like, wouldn't it be cool to just want to do my work and not care if I got paid? I totally cared if I got paid in that business. It was not work. I mean, yes, I did some pro bono work. I was happy to help people that couldn't afford our services. I'm not talking about that. But it got to the point where I realized I was kind of dialing it in for my clients and I didn't think that was fair to them. I hired these consultants to help me with the sale. And one of the guys said, Ellen, I don't get it. You're not working that much. You're making a lot of money. Why are you selling? I said, do you want to tell my clients that? <laughs> like, guess what? I'm not working that hard, making a crap load of money. You know, like that didn't seem the right reason to stay in the business. They deserved better than that. So it was part that. And the other part was I really wanted to have a bigger global impact, to be serving people in a different way. And that's what really brings me joy is when I'm teaching or writing or sharing information with people. Um, and the bigger meta goal is that what I believe is when people can stand in their power around money and know they're going to be okay, then they'll change the world. They'll stop asking, am I going to be okay? And start asking, how much can I give? So now I work a lot with financial advisors to help them grow their practices in non-traditional ways. And part of the reason I love that is because I work with super conscious advisors that are open to these ideas. It's not just selling a bigger product, but how do I make a bigger impact? They're all making more money and they all love what they're doing. 
So that's really rewarding because I know at the end they're able to leverage and serve a lot more people than I ever could have one-on-one. Um, yeah, and, and it just it's fun. Every day is fun now. Oh, I love that every day is fun now. How did you get clear, because I know, again, this is something that plagues a lot of people, on what your work was in the world that really was going to light up your heart, that you obviously knew wasn't what it was that you were doing, it was something else. How did you become quite clear on what that thing was? I think that happened over time to get clear on that. You know, I built my financial advisory practice initially through speaking. And if you had told me all those years later or earlier that I would love being on stage and speaking, I would have thought you were nuts because I had to take public speaking classes. It somewhat was scary at the beginning. But I ended up um, getting on stage and really loving it. I think part of me always likes telling people what to do. And I can't sing and or stay up really late. So like being on stage, being an entertainer was not in the cards this lifetime. So that was really fun. And then early in my career, one of the big mutual fund companies hired me to speak to their wholesalers, their sales team, and they paid me. And I'm like, wait, people will pay for this? Like, that's really cool. Um, And I always had aspirations of writing a book, and I wrote my first book, and that led to me doing a consulting project with a big mutual fund company to write their women's workshop. And that led to my second book, which did very well. Um, and then I realized that that was what brought me joy. So I don't know. I think it was iterative. It happened over time. I will say when I was in my late 20s, I was at a personal development seminar, and all of a sudden I heard this like deep message from my higher self or wherever it came from saying um, that my work is to inspire, guide, and awaken No, that wasn't what it was. Hold on a second. To inspire people to achieve their greatness. So I'm 28 years old, and I had this thought like, I am to inspire others to achieve their greatness. Now, I didn't know. I had no idea what that meant then. And, you know, now I think it shows up with people doing their best work and feeling like not letting money get in the way. Not that it's not important. It is. People need money to do good work in the world, to live the lifestyle they want. But I just see it. It can be such a block for people that keeps them stuck. Like you said, staying in a job that really makes them miserable. And maybe there's another way. Yeah. And I look, I see this all the time, doing a lot of work with professionals. And obviously I've had 30 years in financial services myself. And I hear a lot that people say, you know, I'm earning great money and, you know, I'm making an impact on so many lives. So they're accomplished in all the traditional measures of success, but something's missing. And that something sounds like what you found as well, but what you've done is now made decisions to go from having, you know, that accomplished career, making that change to doing something that now lights you up, where you can actually get up and say, every day is fun. Uh, That's so cool. And that for some is a pipe dream, but you know, your evidence that it doesn't have to be a dream, it can be true. Have you always had an interest in money? Like going back to when you were growing up or school, what role did money play in your life back then? I 
would not say like I was in high school trading stocks and thinking it was fascinating. I was lucky to be brought up in a family of financially responsible people, but it's not like my parents ever really deliberately talked to me about it. Like there wasn't overspending. I was lucky enough that there was enough there. So I was very privileged to not have a lot of struggle with that. Um, I It was actually shocking to my parents, especially my dad, when I became a certified public accountant, because I thought I sucked at math. And I, when I became an accounting major and I got my MBA with a concentration in accounting, but it was, it was, um, I think a tool, I always thought in economic ways, but I think that was part of the struggle, Kim, with me not loving, loving, loving that business because I was good at it, but I was more fascinated in the, uh, the softer psychological side of money. I don't even know if I'd call it softer, maybe more essential than I was in the tactical part of the money management. That's so, interesting. Yeah, I think I kind of just fell into this because I left public accounting. I got into financial planning because I hated public accounting. So it wasn't like I moved necessarily towards something. I really moved away and stayed there for a while. But I will tell you what helped. The first 10 years of my practice, I did fine. Like I did okay enough to have a couple team members, and but not as well as I thought I should have been doing. And it was during a recession, I realized how freaked out people were with their money. And instead of where some of my colleagues were worried about their revenues and one of my friends fired his son, I was like, oh my gosh, people need me more than ever. And I switched my attention on serving my clients and people that were yet to be my clients. And my business in a down market grew 39% in one year. And that is the thing I attribute it to totally shifting my attention. And that got me through the next bunch of years in my practice because it it had meaning. Even if it wasn't fun every day, I knew I was doing something that was valuable. Oh, that is such, and you know, given the, the economy and the state that, I don't know if it's the same over in the US, but I know in Australia, there's all this talk about a recession at the moment. To see that you were, again, intuitive enough to think that this is the time when people actually need you more than ever. And that through helping them and attending to the challenges and the problems that they face, your business did its best year or you know got those results that you were talking about. It wasn't that you were trying to be opportunistic and make the dollar. It happened that way from coming from a place within your heart. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. Have you, you know intuitive and messages from money is is not your run-of-the-mill standard traditional way that people that deal in the money space do this work. What other work have you done outside of the non-traditional learnings around financial planning and advice that have helped you even tune or hone that skill even more? I would say that uh, part of what helped me also grow my practice was not anything I learned in the industry. I did a lot of personal development work, reading, always been fascinated really with the power of our mind, almost magic. When I was a little girl, I used to love TV shows and movies that had anything to do with magic, you know, whether it was Mary Poppins thinking, singing a song in the room, cleaning up automatically, or, uh, you know, Bewitched, 
or um, like even Harry Potter as my kids were growing up, reading those books, fascinated with that. And I, as I started to study how our minds work and how when for most of us, when we picture things, we're able to create, it's like the mental rehearsal that creates results we want. To me, that feels like magic. Um, one of the things, I'm, I'm not sure if you know this, Kim, but the word abracadabra, like magicians say, mm. it has Hebrew and Aramaic roots, and it actually translates into, I will create as spoken. I will create oh, as spoken. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. So our words and how we think about things make such a big difference. And so that is, oh, has always been super interesting and cool to me. Oh, I had no idea about that. That is fascinating. And, and it makes sense that, you know, having a background in that. So Ellen, with your messages for money, how, how did you actually turn this into something that you're doing? It's not just like I said, your intuitive um, experience when you're working with people that you're bringing to the table, you're actually turning this into something more than that. Tell me about how that works and where this is coming from. Yeah, well, when I started this process and after I had that experience, I started just playing with these ideas with friends of mine and did it over and over and, and they were like, Ellen, this is really helpful. Like, you could really do this. And I said, well, I don't know if I could do this for people I don't know. And the silly thing is you could know someone really well and not know anything about their money life. I, and, and so a, one of my friends is like, you totally could. And she referred a friend to her. And, and I just started to do these consultations. And then I'm like, okay, this is adding value for people. And I made it part of my business. And what's fun for me being in the U.S., I have clients in New Zealand and Europe and Australia. I love how open people in Australia are to just alternative ways of looking at things. And how I also use it is when I speak to groups, I always do a message from money to guide me, like what's what would be most helpful for me to share Sometimes I share that with people. I just finished a, a master class, seven-week master class for financial advisors, and each week I shared a message from money. Today's session was on intuition, and money has a really great sense of humor with me and gave me an outline of how to enhance your intuition, and it was really helpful for people. I also came up with a meditation for this group, and one of the advisors I've worked with one-on-one -on -one for the last few years just texting me. She goes, oh my God, I got pages of notes from that meditation. And these tools, which I think are really in, um, inspired the creativity through tapping into my own intuition and to the energy of money, has allowed her, she's been in business 20 years, she's doubled her business in the last 30 months and loves her work. That's like cool that she's made more money, really cool. But also she has such joy and she's got a big, complicated life. If anyone could not break through a plateau, you'd be like, well, wow, how could she? She's got a dis totally disabled child. She's got all sorts of like big stuff. So that's really um, fun and rewarding to me. And I actually had co-authors for my last two books and this book, which is coming out in the fall that I have coming up called Messages from Money, is co-written with money. It Money actually wrote my foreword to the book. So it's fun. It was really just kind of downloaded messages that I got and 
um, with tools that people can use and there's money mantras in there and messages from money that I think are going to be really, really helpful for people. Uh, so completely different to any traditional book just on making money and wealth and prosperity. It really is coming from a much deeper, deeper place. And as I said, you know, you did a reading for me. What I found most interesting is how relevant it was for what was going on in the background of my world and my relationship with money that you had no idea about. Not even, you couldn't have even found out because some of these things were deep inside me that I'd never told anyone or ever shared. And that came out. And it's funny, you gave me a bit of a mantra and a meditation that I can do. I still do that nearly every single day. And it was so powerful and really tapped into something that I'd never thought about. And it has changed how I look at money. And I've got 30 years in financial services, but it's de- it's changed it at a level I didn't even know, one, needed changing, or could have been accessed outside of me doing my own very thorough, deep inner work. So it's just incredible. So, you know, part of your process is that you do some of the channeling, so to speak, before you actually have the conversation with the client. How does that feel for you that you're sort of getting a message from something like money and being able to pull it out and put it, you know, into the written or the spoken word and then share it with someone on the other side? How does that make you feel? Well, it's a big exercise in trust. Because when I first started doing this, I'm like, is this really right? Am I on? And the more and more I've done it, people would go, oh, yes, that's right on. And they're very different for different people. So I uh, did a session for someone who's someone I know in business. And his this is really a little bit out of his traditional way of looking at things. He's never really thought about this. And he said, when we were done, he goes, oh, my God, that was so helpful. I can't wait to talk to my wife about this. And he goes, Ellen, did you dial down the woo for me? Because I knew you knew I wouldn't be open to it. And I said, actually, this is just what came through. And it's, so at some level, the messages are really coming through, designed for where somebody can hear them and at and what's most helpful. And then other people, like when I did yours, a meditation came through because that was with a message I got was this will help Kim, you know, create a bigger space. And so um, that was, it's very interesting to me how every meeting is really very different. Um, I do do money mantras for people at the end of every meeting. So I say money, do you have a, a mantra for whoever I'm dealing with? And, and something just comes out. And what I'm hearing over and over and over is, oh, I love that. That's what people say. Oh, I love that. And they're writing it down. They always get a copy of their message and a recording. But that makes me feel like things are really landing in a helpful way for people. Oh, absolutely. And I think one thing I was telling you a little bit earlier that I love is money keeps popping into my inbox with these little messages. And this obviously, you know, in conjunction uh, with you. They're so cool and, you know, they, they tend to land at the time I needed to hear the message. It's, I was sitting up late last night and it popped into my inbox and it's like, oh, you were just really needed today. So thank you. Thank you. No, I love it. And so 
if this is the, the path that you're taking, how are you getting this out into the world on a grander scale? Because Ellen, I, I don't know anyone that couldn't benefit from this type of, you know, touch point with money at such a deep level. How are you able to do that on a grander scale? Well, that's something I'm working on now, Kim, because part of it was for me to be willing to stand up and say, hey, I talk to money and it talks back. Like, that's not usually what I would lead with before. Uh, I think the book will hopefully help with that, that there will, that there will be uh, people that can have access to this information and think about it in a different way. Also, uh, being on people's podcasts and getting information that way. And um, hopefully through word of mouth that it's helpful for people and they'll tell their friends and someone else will be curious. It'll be helpful for them. I feel like people show up at the time they're supposed to show up in a, in a way that it's helpful. Oh, absolutely. And yeah, and we'll put some links in the show notes. So I know the book's not published yet, but certainly people can check you out, check out your messages for money. And when the book is out, I know I'm going to be one of the first to sign up and, and buy it. So what is one of your most courageous next steps? So in terms of what next for Ellen, and obviously part of it is getting that messages from money out on a more, a broader and a global scale. What else? What else is a, another step where you've got to, you know, you've got those butterflies in your belly. You've got to reach in deep and find that dose of courage. Well, I will say that I hadn't actually thought about this till a recent conversation that you and I had that even just putting this book out there is courageous. I mean, a year ago, I was really guarded about who I would tell I did this with. Um, and I would say the courageous step is part of my um, getting out there in a more public way. Is I have some pretty uh, big platform people that I know would love this. And so I'm going to reach out where before I'd be like, well, I couldn't you know, reach out to them. And I'm like, well, I can totally reach out and maybe it would really serve their people. So I used to, um, when I teach about visualization, for the longest time, whenever I'd walk people through this very short visualization on picturing what you want to have happen, I'd always picture myself on a stage in Australia. And on my prosperity picture, which is like a vision board, I had a picture of Australia for years. Because I think that at some point I might want to live there for part of the year. And I always thought it would be so cool if someone hired me to speak in Australia, flew me over, you know, put me up in a lovely hotel, and I got to travel there. Well, it, you know, because that's when we met in person last August, I was hired to speak in Sydney, got to go, you know, I love the flyover lovely, stay over in a beautiful hotel. And then after that, I was like, well, what am I going to think about now? I mean, I'd love to go back to Australia. It's still on my prosperity picture. And the first time after that, that I walked a group through that visualization exercise, because I like to do it with them, all of a sudden I was sitting in Oprah's backyard under the trees, like on Super Soul Sunday. And I'm like, shit, oh my God. I Like that felt really big and still scary. So I'm like, okay, if I end up ever on that kind of stage or when, maybe I should say it, watch my words, we will create a spoken. I don't want to be like freaked out. I want to be comfortable and excited. So one of the things I did, I don't know if I told you this, but I changed my husband's name on my phone to Oprah. So every time he calls, it says Oprah's calling. 
<laughs> so then I get really used to Oprah calling me. And uh, yeah, so that feels like that next courageous move is to be on bigger stages and feel like, well, of course I can do this because why not? More people need to hear about this and they have the platform. I have literally got goose bubbles raging through my body hearing this, Ellen. And the fact that you've changed your husband's name to Oprah on your phone, I think that is one of the coolest things that we could all do. I'm sure we've all got something like that, that we could, you know, put in place and, and make it sound real. And Australia needs you, so come on over. There is always a place for you over here. And I'm really looking forward to seeing your interview with Oprah on Super Soul Sunday or something else that she does because I have no doubt it is going to happen for you. This is such an important piece of work. I love, though, that you were guarded at first and hesitant to put it out there. Why was that? What was holding you back? Well, a lot of what work I do now is in financial services. I speak to financial advisors. I go to conferences. And I didn't want them to think it was too weird to put me on their stage. And what I've started to do is I give really great, valuable information when I'm speaking to advisors. And I'll mention this that I that I, I talk to money. I think money's an entity in our life. I also make it okay if people don't think of it that way. I said it could just be a metaphor. Think about how we have a relationship. We talk about money all the time like we have a relationship with it, right? I don't want to be a slave to money. I want to make money work for me. And it's just our languaging. And um, And what I've come to realize is I can mention that. And for the people that it lands, they'll hear it. And other people, they don't even hear that I'm saying that they're listening to something else so it i really feel like it took practice like the more i did it the more comfortable the more i have like lovely people like you in my life they're like no this is so helpful you can't you know be a secret and serve people so um that i've been working on that a lot over the last couple years kim and I bet money's got a thing or two to say about that too, right, Ellen? <laughs> yeah, well, like sometimes I've gotten back, what are you embarrassed of me? It's like the person who's dating somebody and they don't bring them home to mom and dad because they're, and I, money's like, well, look, you don't want to talk about me? Like, it's embarrassing. And I was like, okay, no, 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 no. It's cool that you talk about. So, um, and money has a good sense of humor with me as well. Oh, that so. is so cool. Well, I know that the mantra that came out of my reading for me was that money and I are great friends and we love to play together. Mm. And I just think, I say it every day, I say it all the time, like it's kind of become second nature to me. But I love the playfulness about it and that, you know, we can have this, we're great mates. You know, it doesn't have to be serious. Money plays a role in your life and this is what it enables you to do. It's, we're great mates and we love to play together. So I'm glad that money had a thing or two to say and I'm glad that you are listening to what it said and that you are coming out in your relationship with money to the world and allowing more people to tap into what really goes on because from, from the difference you've made in the lives of those you've already touched, I know I'm personally one of those and those that are yet to experience. It is a gift, Ellen. And thank goodness you left your role and sold your business 
after 28 years to get out there and do this work. You really are a courageous woman and someone that I admire and I cannot wait to see you here in Australia and, as I said, on Oprah's show. If people want to get in touch with you, learn more about you, where can they go? I'll obviously put in the show notes, but just where where can they go to get yeah, their To learn more help? about Messages from Money, you can go to messagesformoney.com. And that's a page on my website. You can go so go to ellenrogan.com. And if it's helpful for people, Kim, if you go to ellenrogan, and it's R-O-G-I-N.com, forward slash goodies, you can actually download a copy of my first book, Great With Money, and there's all sorts of other really wonderful resources there. And then you'll be added to getting messages from money in your inbox every single week. They're super short. So if that's not something you want, you can always opt out, but I think it'll be really helpful. Well, I know I find them helpful and I will put all the details down the bottom. And Ellen, give me an idea when the book Messages from Money is going to come to this world. Uh, we're hoping September. That's September? the plan. That's okay. the plan. Yeah. September 23. And I'm sure you'll have uh, advanced purchases <laughs> that we can get onto. So I can't wait. I'm already excited. Thank you so much to you and for money coming on this podcast. And here's to more messages from money changing more lives. Thank you so much, Ellen. Oh, Kim, thank you so much for having me. You do such great work in the world and think of all the people you're helping be more courageous. Thanks a million for joining me on this episode of Courageous Me. I hope it ignited a spark or two within you. To keep the inspiration flowing, hit that subscribe button and stay tuned for more episodes. We've got loads of amazing stories of courage, passion and practical tips coming your way. For all the show notes, resources and ways that we can connect, head to courageousme.com.au. And your feedback is incredibly valuable. So if you enjoyed the show, I'd love you to leave a review and a rating. It'll help me spread more of this love and reach more wonderful people just like you. Until we meet again, my friend, always remember, you've got this.